0: Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 326 for April 12th, 2021. Today's guest is writer and performer Sheila Carrasco, whose solo show, Anyone But Me, is fantastic and running right now at the IMA Theater Company in Los Angeles. It's streaming, so you can check it out. There's one final week to see the show, and I highly recommend it. Uh, go to it now. I'm your host, Michael Herron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at mikeypod.com. Or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelherron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at Heron, or email me at mikeypod at gmail.com. Hello, missed a week of the podcast. Sorry, you know, I think this is just going to have to be part of my uh, my, uh, uh, routine. sometimes need to skip a week. Um, I've been working on music for a really cool show. If you're a long time or not even that long time listener to this podcast, you heard my interview a few months ago. Gosh, I think it maybe was even over a year ago with Peter Michael Marino, who uh, is also a friend. And he has created a show called Planet of the Grapes. Uh, It's performed live with toys. It's Toy theater, um, but it's based on the movie *Planet of the Apes*, which is based on the book *Planet of the Apes*. And I wrote music for it, so I've been working on this music, and uh, it kind of got me distracted from the podcast. I highly recommend checking out the show, not just because my music is in it. I am, however, very proud of the music I created for this show. You can see all the info at Planet Grape Show. Dot com. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes for you. Uh, also, I want to draw your attention to a show by Julie Pinheiro. Uh, it's called Delejos from Afar. And she will be the guest next week on the podcast. But there are only two more chances to see her show that's on Zoom. I have to say, I'm really excited. Like today's guest, Sheila Carrasco, has a show that's being streamed live from I Am a Theater Company. I'm so impressed and inspired by the different artists and producers who have started putting different types of work together that are really designed for our current situation in which theaters are mostly closed. Um, Yeah. So I want you to check out Julie Pinheiro's show too uh, before uh, there's just two more chances to see it, April 17th and April 22nd. Um, I'll put a link to both Planet of the Grapes and Delejos in the show notes for this show And you also need to check out Sheila Carrasco's show, who I'm talking to today. And oh my goodness, there's a lot to see. And I think that's really all the check-in I have for us today. As always, I'd like to thank my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines. Bonus podcasts. There are nearly 70 of them now, and you'll be getting two of them this week. Um, you'll have immediate access to all of this stuff when you subscribe. Um, this week's bonus episode will be with Sheila Carrasco and Anna La Madrid, whose bonus Podcast, I didn't post yet. So I'm going to post them both this week and get caught back up to speed. And boy, oh boy, do I have some music for you today. Yes. Okay. So today I've got a great track. This is called Take Me Out. It's by Bass Suite. Uh, it's a duo, and I think they're mostly like faceless, nameless duo for now. But I could mention that one of them might potentially be my boyfriend, but let's not. Uh, that's that's classified information. Anyway, enjoy this track, Take Me Out, uh, by Bass Suite, and uh, you'll hear the interview with Sheila Carrasco after this. Take
1: me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts, don't touch my ass. I don't care if you ever come back for so It's root, root, root for the home team. They can't keep up what a shame. for it's one, two, three, swipes of cloud at the old ball game. Take me out to the ball game, where the boys be like, insane, bounce those balls and let's play, slide on into my DM. Only one boys with big buns, swinging with those big guns, bases loaded, home runs, spring training gifts. Are some. you a pitcher, catcher, first hitter, or an umpire, swing a single, double, triple, are you a pitcher, catcher, first theater, right. or an umpire? Swing a single, double, triple, brothers with a, a pin and race. Seven innings, stretch, going Gonna make it swing. Boop, be ready, bat to swing. Lock it down, don't mess up now. Boop, ready, bat swing. Catcher first hitter or an umpire swing a single double triple brothers win the pennant race. Are you a pitcher, catcher first hitter or an umpire swing a, a single face, double triple brothers win the pennant race? Take me out to the ball game, you, stimulate my vein. Live drive hit in the center field, rounds to third, we come and chill. Circuit queen, kill team, jumping quick to catch a thrill, knocking it out of the drop silent, I'll be all piling, cups and bears and cardinals, who cares? Uniforms on the road, Coopas, town hall of fame, let's go! Are you a pitcher, catcher, first hitter? Round of the bases, We scored I and came home. Hong! Singled out brothers. Are you a pitcher? catchin' first hitter? Champion, repeat, World Series, and oh! A single, double, triple, brothers around in those faces, come out, to the spaces Seven, stretch, gonna make uh, it sweat. Oh, be oh, oh, ready, back to swing. Lock it down, oh. don't mess around.
0: Joining me now on the podcast is Sheila Carrasco, who has a new show at the I Am A Theater Company in Los Angeles and online everywhere, honestly. Uh, the show is called Anyone But Me, and I'm super excited to talk to you. Hello.
2: I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like you have a golden voice. I was I, listening to you earlier, and I was like, wow. That, man, I could listen to him all day.
0: I love that. The last guy, uh, the interview I just put up today, actually, the guy said that I was like, oh, I need to like somehow... I, suddenly we're like we're talking about me yeah <laughs> enough about your show can we talk a little more about
2: <laughs> no it is a gift it is a gift I feel like I sound best uh between the hours of 5 p.m. and just before dinner <laughs> <laughs> like I take all day to warm up my voice
0: and everything's uh, good but then once you eat dinner does that like
2: yeah then I'm back into like yeah uh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> sea monster voice land
0: Uh, So here's a smooth transition. So you've been using your voice in this new show that you've got going. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: Oh, sure. Um, Well, it's a one woman show. It's a character driven solo comedy. Uh, I was very much inspired by uh, solo show performers like Sarah Jones and Lily Tomlin in that I'm doing a gallery of characters. So it's not necessarily linear uh, as a story, but it's all surrounding a particular theme, which is on, uh, self identity, how, uh, we as women, uh, label ourselves and why, and, um, how sometimes it can be, you know, just to impress someone or, you know, to fit in. Um, but you know, why it can be hard for some women to really be able to use their voice and feel authentic, um, yeah, it's an exploration on that topic,
0: which like, is kind of folds in on itself because by creating the show, you're uh, this is, could sound like corny. <laughs> throwback to my corny previous joke, but you're using your your voice in a new way because this is your first solo show, right?
2: It is. Yes. And I have done a lot of theater in my life. And then I've also done a lot of sketch comedy in more recent years and and really written for that medium. And also I I like to write from character. So, you know, I write character monologues a lot, um, but I've never put those two things together. And so this show is really my way of using my favorite medium, which is to perform by disappearing into different characters, but to thread it all together and make a play and have a theme and have a message, which is kind of how I I stumbled upon the theme of this, because when I was approached by Iama to, to make this play, my first instinct was, okay, I'll just do a bunch of my best characters that I've done before, you know, five minute sets. I've been into JFL in Montreal and I'll just do that. And it doesn't have to be anything personal, you know, nothing that has to do with my life because my life's not interesting. And then I kind of thought, well, why is that? Why was that my first impulse to kind of disappear behind wigs and costumes? And so I found the theme through that and I and really tried to unpack like oh that's interesting maybe I have issues with identity uh, so yeah I started there
0: yeah it's it's really interesting. I'm also a performer who I've done a couple of solo shows but I'm also in this place of like but I'm not really a writer I'm not so when I talk to someone who's doing a solo show I I don't know if you do this too where you I default to like, Oh, I don't know anything like this is the expert I'm talking to now. But you've also you're doing your first solo show
2: all the time. uh, Yes, I I always. Well, I think I put myself in that position just in general in life. You know, like I I know nothing. This person knows more than me. But especially in this medium, um, which is funny because like no one can do your solo show, but you and no one can do it like you, you know, because uh, it just like like Anna, who you just Mm -hmm. uh, interviewed, her show is completely different from mine in terms of um, storytelling, form, uh, even how they shot it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's it's really important when you are creating solo work to not worry too much about how to get it right, you know, and do what someone else would do. And I don't know if you had this experience, but when you're really just kind of writing from your own point of view and and um, trusting your own gut, like you'll create something that's very true to you.
0: Was there a moment with this, like putting this show up that I'm trying to put into words <laughs> what, what I was feeling. It's kind of like this idea of like, all of a sudden, it's your show that you've written. And I, I had a experience of like, oh, but wait, I can't just show them this. This is just a thing I did. <laughs> is that...
2: Every day. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: I-, I kept being like, why aren't they asking me to completely rewrite this and retool this? Because this has to be trash. You know? Like, Yeah. You get, especially with writing, I come from a school of like your first draft is always like you just throw it out, you know, and you start up, you get notes and you get everyone's opinions. Um, but I think with this particular kind of show, like how can someone else tell you how to tell your story? You know, so it's a weird thing where I, my theater company was just so encouraging and supportive and trusting. And, you know, they were like, oh yeah, maybe it's too long. You know, obviously they had more in-depth notes than that, but it really threw me because at every point of the process, I was like, is this actually good? Like, how can I trust that what I'm doing is going to be interesting to someone else? And, And you can't get too in your head with that. You know, you have to kind of constantly practice letting go of that outside judgment
0: yeah which is it's, it's hard easy. yeah no but it's helpful too i'm sure that you had you had to do it like it was happening right like was there yes. a, like having that momentum of like well whether this sucks or not <laughs> i'm doing it and it has to it has to happen that motivation is always good
2: absolutely i mean that kind of I think that's the only way it got done, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be honest, is that we had a deadline and we knew we were shooting it because especially with the pandemic, like, you know, you had to take the pressure off from yourself to create. And so I really did that in the first part of the pandemic. And then when this project came around, I think if I didn't have my director, Margot Susie, being like, all right, so I'm going to read pages next week. Make sure you send them. We're going to do a a read through for all of the designers next month, all that stuff. I'm not, I think I would have kept pushing it you know, off. And so it really is a testament to like, you know, just commit and tell everyone you're going to do it to make yourself actually do it. Hmm. And, and then just take a risk and it might be terrible and that's okay. Like, what do you really have to lose? You know, it made me really like examine, like, what do I really have to lose by like sharing something? And why do we always have to make sure that something is perfect before we share it? You know,
0: yeah. As if it's the last chance we're ever going to get to make something like right. Yeah,
2: and also like, how do you know? How can you ever know something is ready before you you share it with the world? Is there a place that it will ever get to be like that? Um, I tend to be a perfectionist and stuff, so for me, it was a little hard at first to like. Just feel like, oh, I didn't, you know, get to control every moment and all that. And uh, I hope everybody gets it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is, are you also the type of perfectionist that would rather just not do it at all if it's not guaranteed perfect from the get-go?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think I would, I, I think, you know, maybe I would bail or something. Yeah. Or just say um or apologize for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I tend to do that a lot. Um and so this, yeah, this whole process has been really great as a practice for me. Uh just as an artist, you know, and to say like this is I'm just I'm making something and I wrote it in a vacuum and it kind of is the is the only time as a theater artist and a writer that I felt like this is gonna sound so pretentious. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) But where I felt more like a painter, you know, where you're just saying, this is my expression, take from it what you will. Um, and I don't care whether you like it or not. I mean, of course I care, but you know, you're just creating something start to finish in your own little bubble. And then you're just hoping that people take meaning from it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with comedy, you don't get to do that because you're workshopping something all the way through. You're doing it for audiences. You're trying out jokes, and then you're cutting them if they don't work. So we didn't get to do any of that because we had no audience the whole time. So it felt a little more like Jackson Pollock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's uh, it's uh, this. I, I I don't know why I'm so worried about asking corny questions today. But this que- feel, like it feels like this. You know, you started this process and I and I w- I want to ask you about that, too, like how the show itself came about. But it, you were talking about how at your first thought was like, oh, great, I'll just pull together all these characters I already do and hide behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the process of the show becoming what it is and then putting it up it seems like it was all... It was all a trick, right? Like you're not hiding at all now. Like you're you're being an authentic artist. You're doing characters that you didn't say this. So correct me if I'm wrong. That maybe feel more authentic to your experience. Is that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was interesting. I uh, once I. Started focusing my writing around the theme of identity and something that felt more personal to me. All of a sudden, the characters became a lot closer to me. And um, if I had just said, okay, I'm going to do a character show, you know, more like uh, of the character showcase sketch style variety, I would just, my focus would be like the largest range possible. How do I stretch myself the most, you know? And uh, a lot of people that have seen the show were surprised that I didn't do a lot of huge characters and wigs and, and even my voice doesn't change that much, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really valuable to me to do that and to explore that side of myself, to try to get really nuanced with each character. Even though a lot of them were like in their mid thirties, women that were like working professionals or something that could kind of Fit in the same category, so it helped me get even more specific with each one. And part of that was because I was like exploring different aspects of my personality and how I kind of chameleon, shapeshift. And it felt a lot more personal and vo- vulnerable too, uh, to to explore those kinds of characters.
0: It, it sounds like more, and maybe you said this already. It sounds like that would be as a actor performer more uh more more challenging but to you know what if you have i'm not an actor so that's why it's like wait do is this does this even make sense it seems like if you have these big larger than life characters it's kind of maybe easier to switch between them because you've Mm. got some big piece but you're bringing in sounds like something a little more intimate and um less less gigantic with these characters
2: Definitely, you know. I think for me, that that was harder to do. It really depends on the actor. I think some actors could come in and and slay uh, women that don't seem too far away from someone you might play on TV or something like what you'd be typecast as. For me, that's always been a little harder. um, Which is maybe why I don't work in TV enough. (laughs) (laughs) But no, bigger, bigger character. Like it's so weird. I feel more comfortable playing. A 90 year old woman than I do sometimes a 35 year old receptionist. Uh, And I, yeah, it's been interesting to figure out why that is and, and force myself to sit in that discomfort and commit to it and not apologize for it. Yeah. For my performance.
0: I got to see this show.
2: <laughs> well, it probably sounds so abstract and weird too, though, because it, it's a little bit like I feel like the show itself and the structure, even the way it's blocked and staged, is like a representation of my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's been so interesting to talk about it in these interviews and everything. Um, because it's a bit like, well, I'm sure with any solo show, it's a little bit like therapy. You know mm-hmm. you're talking about your issues and you're unpacking it and everything um but for me it's it's a very visual experience, and so uh, I'm excited for you to see it,
0: yeah, and on that therapy mm-hmm. tangent this was something <laughs> I was always afraid of because there's this sort of cliche about solo performances being putting your therapy on stage like there's mm-hmm. and there's this huge fear for me of am I just. You know, I'm d- performing a show that I wrote about myself, about my experience. Like, did did you did you have that fear of just you know being? I don't know. I can't think of the words for this. Like being just putting, just giving yourself a yeah a therapy session. Like
2: yeah, absolutely. I I did. I had a lot of. I was really judgy about it about myself. Like I, I, love seeing other people's solo shows, but when I started writing it, I was like, oh, I can't start it with like, I was born on a sunny day in Atlanta and, you know, um, because to me, you know, I just was like, I, I don't, I don't know how to tell that kind of story. And, um, it was interesting because I was talking to my director early on when I was developing it and she was like, but Sheila, you know, I get why, you might have a fear about making it too personal about your story or like, who's going to want to watch this, but nobody goes into watching someone else's solo show without already wanting to hear about their life. You mm-hmm. know, like that's what you, that's what you expect. You know, you're never going to go to a solo show and go, Oh God, now I have to hear about their trauma. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's that's what we sign up for. And usually when I see them, it's incredibly, inspiring and cathartic and I can relate. And I think there's something really special about the, this kind of show that I get every time I see someone else's show. And the more specific we get with our personal experiences, the more universal they are really. I think, I think the more you try to say, well, I'm going to write my solo show that like everyone can relate to about an issue that everyone will think is important. That's a danger, you know, because also you, you start writing for someone else, you know, for what they will think, but also, you know, you're not really putting yourself out there if that's the case.
0: Yeah. And the thing that people relate to and connect with is you, like your sincerity and the genuine, thing that you're sharing so yeah
2: absolutely and also um i think it's uh it's that and also our own flaws like exposing them which is hard to do as artists but to really say like this is what i don't like about myself is really um freeing as the artist that's doing it but as someone watching it you're like Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I can I can relate to that. It's in those moments especially that I think we relate to someone else's show.
0: Yeah. And th- I think just to piggyback on that, that mm-hmm. idea also of seeing a show with an with a solo performer telling what they don't like about themselves, I'm like, wait, I don't like that about myself. And you're telling it to an audience? Maybe I'm not as terrible as I thought like maybe you know you have the same secret as me and you're telling all these people like okay
2: maybe I can make it absolutely and especially when it's things that aren't you know very black and white as opposed in terms of like what I should have done in that moment in my life I think that for me there's one character at the end um that I go into something that kind of I experienced as a teenager and I'm hearing from a lot of even friends of mine that are like, I had that same situation and I didn't know at the time that I even could do anything about it Mm -hmm. or that I, you know, and, and why do we do that? And so, um, it's interesting when, when you get more specific with your own story, how, how much you'll see like other people went through the exact same thing. And I'm sure you felt that with your show.
0: Yeah, and those are the moments that make me realize, like, oh, this isn't just me expressing my ego <laughs> on stage. There's a value, you know, when yes. people have those moments with your show. Well, may, I won't tell you how it feels. Maybe you tell me, <laughs> like <laughs> when they when people relate or, or or something you've done resonates with them. For, it, it feels like, oh, okay. That's what the value of this is, and that's why it's okay that I'm telling my story like this.
2: Absolutely, it's really fulfilling because um, it's just like this awesome bonus, you know. Yeah. that's not why you set out to do it, but then you're like, oh, it, it's almost it's rewarding for me to hear other people have gone through the same thing, you know, on the yeah. other side of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's cool to hear that feedback is coming. Like I, I think that would be something that. Because of, obviously it's the pandemic that uh, facilitated the show being st- uh, streamed online. Mm-hmm. As uh, what's it like not to have that sort of audience in the space?
2: Awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad I made this, and we'll always, you know, it's how often do you get to do theater, and then always have a a multicam shot time Mm -hmm. capsule of it to have forever uh but you know doing comedy with no audience it was it was a trip and you get used to it but then you get too used to it and then you realize you're kind of on autopilot and you got to keep it fresh and in the moment and so it was definitely um a new skill that i had to kind of acquire uh and and know when to like build on certain moments because you're like well they would be laughing here I think mm-hmm. so. I'm gonna, you know, keep doing that behavioral thing that's funny, um, which you don't only really get in person, you know, with with a visceral experience of an audience laughing. So you're kind of creating that for yourself while also trying to act it and be in the moment. Uh huh. Additionally, like, I, you know, I'd never done a solo show before, but I'd seen a ton of people do them, and I just have such a respect for people that are pros and do these all the time because they take so much stamina and endurance to, to just to power through for an hour or more. And then also to be your own scene partner as well throughout. Cause you're basically talking to the fourth wall as if it's somebody else that's giving you dialogue back a lot of the time. And so you're kind of generating those moments. And so I just, um, you know, people like Sarah Jones and drew drogi, uh, that do these shows a lot. I just, I have so much, I bow down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot, it's a lot, as you know, um,
2: and it's kind of addicting though. Like I want to do more. I, I feel like oh, it's it's really fun to do your own writing because also like you automatically know what the jokes are and you know the subtext, so you can kind of cut that part of the rehearsal process out that would normally take like two weeks of table work and a play. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's really great.
0: Were there any moments when you um, discovered something about your own writing that you wouldn't have had you not been performing it. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, um I feel like more often than not, uh it was things I had forgotten that I wrote, like at the time when I was writing it, like I think I was like, oh yeah, and then that's kind of like you know a callback to this or or what I'm really saying is this. And um my director was like so i th- I think it's really about you know this and I'd go oh yeah I don't I completely like as an actor didn't plug into my writer brain there and and see that um and it's just also it's a testament to like oh yeah always have someone else directing you and and other people in the room because we can get so far you know yeah in our own butts (laughs) we don't realize (laughs) it
0: (laughs) oh my god all right So I would love to keep talking forever, but we have to end this part of our conversation. At some point, um, before we do, can you let us know the info? I'll put information in the show notes as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But how can people find you on the internet? And of course, uh, how they see your show?
2: Yeah. So on the internet, I'm pretty much just on uh, Instagram as at Sheila Tabasco. Uh, And I recently got off Twitter because I just wasn't any good at it. (laughs) So I'm only on Instagram. But you can find out about the show at the theater's website, which is iamatheater.com. That's a, sorry, I I can spell. (laughs) It's I-A-M-A, theater with an R-E, dot com. And then you can just select tickets from there. and, And there's two and a half weeks left to see it. Uh, and you select the week you want to see it and buy a ticket, and you have the entire week to watch it, so it's really convenient and uh hopefully you'll have a nice evening you'll feel like you had a nice evening at the theater when you watch it
0: uh, I love it. well, I will be watching. It. I think I'm gonna do a double feature tonight of awesome. both of the shows yeah, yeah, I love it it's it is kind of fun to talk about the shows having not seen them like because yeah. there's this like this is more wonder.
2: Absolutely. Well, I feel like I would be. Um, yeah, exactly. We can kind of talk about it and not uh, get too far in the nitty gritty. But I think it's it's so fun to talk to people after they see stuff too. Just to be like, so what'd you think about this? What'd you think about this? Yeah but that would be me interviewing you
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it Uh, well if you're listening and you want to hear more of this conversation you can go to patreon.com slash Michael Heron we're going to do another little mini bonus interview uh, that will be available there Uh, thanks for joining me Sheila and congratulations and good luck with the rest of the run of your show
2: thank you so much thanks for having me I didn't know
1: how to fill the time how could I rest Could I unwind with the world on my mind? I was feeling depressed I started talking to girls through a screen Cause I'm stuck inside New York City's in quarantine Everyone's swiping right I didn't have to swipe very far Cause there was Layla playing her guitar I think I love her from the bottom of my heart to the top of the Empire State And I don't want to stay apart but good things come to those who wait And my heart hit the ground and started jumping around when I saw her Remember the last time I laughed so much But I come down from the high When we say goodbye and our lips can't touch It's torture to know you live down the street I'll put on a hazmat suit if I have to So you and I can meet Tonight is date number nine FaceTime and a bottle of wine And now I love her from the bottom of my heart To the top of the Empire State And I don't want to stay apart But good things come to you away And my heart hit the ground And started jumping around when I saw In the middle of quarantine
0: mm-hmm. that was Christian Douglas with through the screen I have to tell you originally uh, I his PR people reached out to me about having him as a guest on the show and I was like oh, I don't know but I really love this song now I really love this song. <laughs> I'm going to reach out to him. So uh, hopefully he'll be willing to be a guest on the show. I just really love the story of this song. And I'm a sap lately. It got me all choked up and I'm getting choked up just talking about it. But it's a sweet song. It's a and it's such a, you know, of course, timely uh, with this whole idea of meeting people under quarantine and Ah, while we're on the other side of this. Anyway, thank you, Christian, for letting me play your music. Thank you, Bass Suite, for letting me play your music. Uh I want to call them Bay Suite, like B-A-E, my Bay, because my Bay is in the show. I feel a little awkward all of a sudden. Uh my Bay is in the band. I mean, uh, so thank you, Bass Suite. Check out both of these artists, of course. Part of my goal here on the podcast is to introduce you to new artists and help other artists be heard. So if you enjoyed the music you heard, or uh, definitely check out Sheila Carrasco's show. Um, what a great conversation. And you'll be hearing more from her and Ana La Madrid uh, this week. If you're a patron, patreon.com slash Michael feel free to join us there. And I think I'm going to share some behind the scenes stuff from creating the music for Planet of the Grapes, which I also hope you'll see so much to tell you this week. Uh, last week, although I didn't put up a podcast, there were, I think I interviewed four different people last week. So I have a good back stock, but a good supply of podcast interviews to keep them coming for you. Um, I hope you'll excuse my skipping a week. Um, and of course, understand this podcast is produced um, by me. So I do all the scheduling, all the hosting, all the uh, website updates. I do all of it. So if I do skip a week, I hope you'll, um, you'll, you'll, be forgiving. I think that's it. I hope you're all doing well. Um, I'm seeing a light at the end of the tunnel of this quarantine thing, which Jesus, what a year, right? (sighs) All right. So that's it. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.